0: June 14th, 2011. Frankel wins for the first time at Royal Ascot. The seventh of an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere. So start your own with Betfair's Free Bet Streak. Simply bet £20 on the 150 at Royal Ascot on day one on the exchange and get a £20 free bet. Win with that and you'll get another. It's that simple. Free Bet Streak from Betfair. Exchange back bets on the win market only. £20 free bet awarded at bet settlement. Valid for 72 hours. T&Cs supply 18PGambleware.org.
2: The final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, your ultimate resource for finding winners. Welcome along to our
3: day two preview of Royal Ascot 2020, a Royal Ascot unlike anything we've ever known before. It's behind closed doors, but you can see every single race live and exclusive on Sky Sports Racing. It's the only place for all of the races, and uh, we're looking ahead to day two. I'm your host, Emma Kennedy, alongside the first lady of the podcast, Miss Vanessa Ryle
2: hello how are you all
3: i'm good thank god how is how has lockdown been treating the star of sky sports racing
2: um lockdown life for me has been all right actually you know lucky to live out in greenfield so feel pretty blessed with that and been taking away with work lots of archive pieces have been produced and now i've got a bit of racing back and a big week ahead so busy busy now it's gone from very very low gear to very very sort of high octane stuff basically
3: yeah, like all of us then basically we've, we've all gone from sitting around to going oh my god there's work to do uh we are also joined by the editor of the irish daily star mr brian flanagan
1: Hi guys, how are you? Great to be back. Uh, surprised I was asked back actually after the Friday night horror show last night. But
3: I, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody got Friday night right. So you're okay. Oh wait, I've just remembered something. Hold on. This is the first time you two have been on since.
2: <gasps> Fire and Brimstone! Yes. Get woke, go broke!
3: Hashtag I'm with Biddy. <laughs> Are you going to. Are you just going to savage Brian in every single race preview throughout the show? I.
2: I actually hadn't even thought of that. Like you asked me to be on the podcast. I don't even think you told me he was on. I literally didn't even think of it. And then as I logged on and then was just getting sort of set up, I could see he was on the call. And I was like, pretty sure the last <laughs> time me and Brian spoke, I like swore at him expletives live on a podcast just because I I was obviously, I obviously Rory hadn't done my 30 miles on a bike and I was not pacified that day
1: but today you have let's see if it works Uh, yeah well i can tell you after after 13 weeks of lockdown with my wife and kids the language has been that that was that was a walk in the park
3: (laughs) (laughs) oh just just brace the f-bombs they're coming i don't care what anybody says i don't care about a 30 mile bike exercise bike ride i don't care about uh lockdown having pacified both of them it's coming War is on the way. War. I would like, good God, I would like y'all. To point out,
2: I would like to point out there is absolutely no beef between myself and Brian, oh, obviously. Yeah, no,
3: yeah, yeah. No no animosity at all. No, no, obviously. None. None. War, what is it good Rory, for? Rory the crack. Rory
1: said it Rory said it was it was spotted Cheltenham twenty twenty, it was going to be remembered for <laughs> Yep. Exactly. It is for me, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. that's, that's what, the... not the Handicapping Appeals panel, lads? Oh! <laughs> oh, I oh. Oh. It. It. oh! I went there! Oh! Can I there! I'll tell you what,
0: almost everyone had forgotten that, given, you know, that was, that was big news shortly before we all realised we were going to die.
2: Yeah, can I just say it. that for a lot of people, COVID-19 has been a very torrid time, but the timing of it, just post-Cheltenham, for me was... I'm not going to lie.
3: Bob on. How much abuse did you get on Twitter, Vanessa, for being asked to do a thankless task that doesn't pay anything?
2: Oh, let's not go into it. Let's not go into it. A lot,
3: so, from the usual (laughs) unnamed sources. Oh, yeah. Uh, Also...
0: I I just want to go on record again to say she made the right call. Oh, she did? We know that. Thanks. Just because you're lining one up for a touch and you want to really underline it, gone uh, to the appeals panel. Doesn't mean they were wrong.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I, I actually thought that was going, you know, would had to be done without saying, but no, I'm glad that you emphasised that. You're 100% right. And you don't get paid for that job, uh, which makes me wonder why you took it. But anyway, fair play, Vanessa. Uh, I applaud you for doing it, and uh, well done for going there. Uh, this podcast is going to get mad. Four minutes and 29 seconds in, and we have not introduced pundit number three, Rory Delargy. Well, hello. <laughs> It's only half. Again. It's only half an hour since I spoke to you in real life. Um, yes, indeed. But uh, hopefully, you will enjoy the show as we preview every single race from Royal Ascot. We are going to skip the first race. We'll come back to it. We'll double back. Don't worry. Uh, the only my place NAP is
1: it the first. My nap is in the first race.
3: Oh well, don't then worry. We'll, we'll be doubling back here now. Yeah, we're, we're and we're see- the great thing about
0: that is that whenever you're asked at the end of the podcast, "What's your best bet?" then you don't go. I can't remember it. Oh it's no,
3: you've caught me on the hop there, Kenners. Oh no. Who would have thought I'd ask for a best bet? Uh, yeah, we're, we'll double back to it, but we're going to start with the... Sorry, hand- no,
1: sorry. No, I'm wrong. It's, it's, it's the Copper the copper Horse Handicap. I thought that was the horse race. That's actually the last race. There you go. That's, I'm off to a good start.
3: <laughs> oh, Brian. <laughs> Sensational start, my friend. Sensational stuff. Uh, so the only place that you can see the 115 from Ascot is live on Sky Sports Racing, but we're going to start with the 150 and we will save that race till the end. Uh, so the first race we're talking about on the show is the second race of the day the group two hamden court stakes did i say group two it's a group three i clearly have not had enough caffeine it's a long day folks i've been doing radio and podcasts here we go uh one elcano is currently your favorite at 4.0 on the Betfair exchange uh first receiver 5.0 and russian emperor for Aidan o'brien who was second in the darren stans derby trial the other day behind command uh, as a short price favorite is currently a 7.0 shot on the Bitfair exchange. Uh, Rory, we will start with you. Hamden Court Stakes, Group 3, over 10 furlongs. What are your thoughts, my friend? Uh,
0: my thoughts are I'd very much like to see who's turning up for this um, before I get too heavily involved. But um, you know, a, a few of them have run um, within the last week or so, and it's a, it's a very quick turnaround. And obviously, we had the opportunity of, of looking at the decks for day one. Um, and here we are um, a matter of hours away from uh, from declaration time for this but still guessing a little bit as to who's going to turn up um, again not not the perfect race for me given um, that the three year old's middle distance form hasn't no a chance to settle down but I did say straight after the Guineas I'd be interested in Kenton Warrior up and trip mm-hmm. um, and slightly down in class and you know he's He's got uh, Jason Watson jocked um, up on him and he didn't really have a race on the Guineas um, after what happened at the stalls. Uh, I did put him up when we had a pre-season chat about horses to follow for the season. Um, I put him up there as well. I'm not sure that he's absolutely top-notch, but Roger Tito obviously thinks an awful lot of him. Um, I loved his attitude when he won the Horace Hill last season. wasn't the strongest-looking um, uh, Group 3 race you'll ever see um, but it was the wrong trip for him and he got, got hampered as such but he got crossed by the runner up and most um, or the third rather Impressor most horses I think at that stage would have just sort of given up and, and um, coasted home in third but he rallied really well when he hit the hill uh, to win that from Rupey Guest and Impressor as I said it, it's not great form um, and Three of the four uh, who filled the frame have been a little bit disappointing since if you, if you called him disappointing in the guineas. Um, but everything he did last year suggested that he'd be a middle distance horse this year. Um, he was a winner um, on his debut at Salisbury uh, with a little bit of ease in the ground over a mile. Um, so it's not ideal for a horse with his pedigree to be dropping back to seven furlongs in a second start. So I thought he did well in the circumstances. And if you watch the guineas back again, you know his, his race is over after 50 yards. Uh, in fact, he was lucky to have a rider after 50 yards, but he's gradually kept on past rivals to finish ninth in the end. Um, that can be a little bit misleading, sort of you know, running past beaten horses in a race like the Guineas. Um, but I thought it was encouraging enough, um, and it won't have done his uh, confidence any harm. So he's a horse who I would like to see at this trip. Um, again, I mentioned a couple of horses in the first day who I'd like good, goodish drawing for. Um, i prefer digging the ground for him I think he'll handle anything to be perfectly honest but he does he does cope with soft ground very well um, so rain would not be a problem for him and it might be for others um, ho- hopefully he's, he's over his exertions in the guineas um, you know it'll be 11 days and hoping that's enough I wouldn't want to be back in a horse at a short price given those circumstances but as I said he's a horse I like and I've kind of gone on record saying that I'd, I'd be inclined to back him um, next time he runs in a slightly lower grade race and grip
3: three over a man order should be ideal for him, so he'll do it for me. Okay, he is currently 17.0 on the Bedford exchange. I should just say that since we recorded our day one preview, jockey bookings for Bally Doyle have come out for the Tuesday, and Frankie Dettori is going to ride Arthur's Kingdom. And that immediately led to a price collapse, which was quite interesting. Frankie's going to be on first receiver for the Queen, which means given the fact that Ryan Moore often jumps off his retained Coolmore ownership to go and ride for the Queen for Sir Michael Stout um, that's not going to happen this time around and it means Aiden O'Brien's almost certainly going to have a runner and they clearly like it uh, so we'll have to wait and see who it is they, they go for uh, Vanessa it's been a long time since we had you on it's great to get you back on looking forward to uh, more content from you upcoming give us a winner on day two of Royal Ascot One fifty, Hampton Court who wins?
2: Um I'm, I'm not a big fan of this race. <laughs> I, I'm i um, with Rory. I think loads of these horses aren't going to tip up. Um, it will be very interesting, but that kind of goes without saying. I think the favorite, pretty shaky favorite in my eyes, Juan Alcano. Um, you know, obviously that run fifth in the guineas, obviously it looked like a good guineas on what we know about it at this stage and on initial viewing. But in terms of going up to the 10 furlongs now, he was pretty good at... Seven furlongs as a two-year-old, and the Guineas run—I don't know—it indicated maybe that the step-up in trip might be suited. But on pedigree, his pedigree is very mixed. looked a bit tap for toe in Newmarket, and he kind of plugged on. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm not a massive fan of the Favourite in terms of he just finds himself at the top of the betting. Um, but Master of Foxhounds for Jesse Harrington was one that sort of stuck out for me maybe if he was to run here. The Warfront cult that came from Bally Doyle and now is with Jesse having changed ownership. Had his first run for Jesse Harrington last week. Um, that sale was an interesting sale, I suppose, considering he's sort of cool more spread through and through anyway they Aiden ran him at shorter trips over six and seven as a two-year-old and then I think he must have had a setback last year because we didn't see him since the middle of last year so he didn't run at the back end of the year which after they've had a couple of runs would be unlike obviously Aiden so um, something didn't go right but anyway he's changed ownership and he's now with Jesse and he set out over a mile last time um, back just four days ago now and he won really nicely at NACE. and um, he stayed on really well, but I guess the thing that really struck me is that definitely the ten furlongs on breeding and the evidence of the run would suit. Um Jesse Harrington's in great form. And if she was to bring him over, that would definitely be an eye-catching um, yeah, that would be an eye-catching runner for me in this race on that evidence of the nace run. But I, I really don't have a strong fancy. I'm a bit like Rory in terms of just I think I think we won't see a lot of these. So it's like I'd be disappointed if Master Fox hands didn't tip up here. Um, he could go down a handicap route option. They've got plenty of options with a horse like him. And um, yes, he's in here. But you know, like like many, he only ran a handful. Ran a handful of days ago. That's going to be a question mark. But yeah, he was one who at a bigger price I thought was uh, interesting anyway in the race. And I don't like the favourite, but yeah. that's about all
3: I've got for you. I'd agree with you, and the stable's on fire as well, for that matter. Uh, Jess Carrington banging in the winners, and um, horses running exceptionally well. It's an interesting new policy that Coolmore have adopted. They have cleared out. They cleared out a lot of juveniles last year. Uh, Damien English, who's going to be on the show in a few weeks, he picked up North Wind and a couple of others from Belly-Doyle last season, and um, they did it again then last year. Which is why this Colts, who was beautifully bred out of outstanding by Warfront, has ended up with Jessica and you know got a win already. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. And it's something to bear in mind for seasons ahead. Uh, Brian, your take on this race.
1: Um, yeah, I I'd echo what, uh, what Vanessa and Rory have said. It's hard to know really uh, what to make of it yet. Um, Russian Emperor, if he, if he lines up, I think you'd have to give him a chance. I know. You'd be disappointed that he got beaten the other day, but I don't think Jamie Effernan was was very hard on him. Uh, to be honest, Um you know he he want to be a lot better than that to be winning here, but he definitely shaped like the best horse in the race that day. I thought he was going to win, but um, he didn't. Uh, you know you wonder where they were they thinking of this or this week. Um, he
3: wasn't knocked about, wasn't he? Not
1: certainly wasn't knocked about. No, um, I mean the day he won a nice. I think it was an AC1 before, just before lockdown. I think it was, um, I think he was, did he trade at 1,000 to 1 in running? I'm not sure. Oh, I think uh, you're
3: right. Yeah, he did. I remember yeah. talking about that in the show. He, he traded some bonkers price in running.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really fancied him to win in Epperstown. I thought he would have won with, with the minimum of us, so maybe I've been a bit too kind on him. Uh, but, I, you know, if he lines up, you'd have to respect him um, and I would definitely I would definitely expect him to be a lot better than he was at Nace. Um First receiver, yeah, he looks like a nice unexposed horse. He bolted up the other day. Oh, I think that was over a mile. Uh, I suppose the extra two furlongs shouldn't be, pose any problems. Um, Michael Stout actually, he started the season very well. Um, had plenty of winners, so, you know, if he, he would be another one in the shake-up. Um... I thought that Al Al Madhar is it Al Madhar? Richard Hannan, uh, might be a bit of a Springer. He Hannan team are flying as well, that mm. um, he won. Was it yesterday? He won or the day before yesterday? Um, so he'd be another one to keep an eye on. But if you were to ask me at this stage, probably Russian Emperor would be would be my choice.
3: I think I'd be with you to be honest, and I think he will go. I think they'll they'll run him. It's probably the reason why they were lightly enough touched with them um, the last day. Okay, let's go on to the 225, the King George V stakes okay. handicap. Uh, Win O'Clock, fantastic name for Roger Charlton, heads the betting at 8.0, currently on the for Exchange, uh, and is joined at the top of the market by Kips, 2 Nathaniel, and Bright Melody. Uh, Rory, you can take the lead on the 225.
0: Well, you know the score here, don't you? What am I going to say?
3: Oh, no. Uh,
1: There's
2: you... only one right answer here, Rory, I'm afraid.
0: Oh, well, I've uh, I've put one up um, in the Irish field in this, in this contest, but this is one of the two mile-and-a-half handicaps um, on the card. Uh, 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 or draw. The we could ask. Draw. It. So, draw. Look for whoever is drawn very wide. Assuming that... Um, to we get a, a maximum field there only are 26 um, entries for the race so you actually might have a smaller field than usual um, but this this frequently um, goes to horses who are drawn wide uh, go back uh, to 2007 2017 rather for example and Atty Purse was a was a, a very easy winner Telling people thought he must be a group one horse to have won as easy as he did from Seoul 22 how does he won from Seoul 22 they said Um, and then he gets uh, beaten by about 50 lengths on his next start um, stepping up to to, um, listed a group three company Um, yeah it's there's there's never any harm to be drawn wide in this race and and without the draw um, that um, complicates the race a little bit for me Um, but there is a horse I like who was 20s um, when I wrote a piece for the Irish field yesterday. Uh, and that horse is Bodyline for Sir Mark Prescott.
3: Oh, Rory DeLarge, you are really betting all on Sir Mark Prescott having a great Royal Ascot.
0: I certainly am. Um, you know, I've made the point that he's, he's got off to a much better start um, this summer that he normally would do, and this is the whole, the whole point you've got to bear in mind with, um, with everyone having to wait until June to get going. Um, he's had his horses uh, further forward than would normally be the case. Um, you'd normally have, as I said, a couple of months of the season where Sir Mark is just twiddling his thumbs before he decides that his horses have had enough time to come to themselves. But he's had a, a decent enough start to the season. Um, and uh, this horse is already, I, I napped him when he ran um, last time, body line at uh, Yarmouth, in a decent looking uh, three year old handicap. I couldn't believe that he was the price that he was because uh, he was a winner at two, which is unusual enough for, for Sir Mark's um, middle distance handicappers. Um, he ran at Epsom and really didn't handle the track. Um, and similar story when he ran Chepstow and Spinal Start last season, but typical um, Pressfield horse, big strapping. Um, Bred to stay a mile and a half, um, and um, I thought, right, well, he's one I want to be with next year, and I thought he'd be quite well back, but he was. No one wanted him in the market um, on his his debut. Um, he's gone off at sixteen to one. Um, he was bigger than that he was at twenty fives, um, uh, you know, at, at a point in the morning of that race, and he's run really well behind a horse called Celestra. Now I think Celestra is probably, um, well, certainly looked a handicap block that day. It's almost certainly miles ahead of his mark. Uh, the body line was a clear second despite starting slowly uh, and galloped on really strongly down the outside past almost the entire field in the last furlong or so and he will improve a trunk for stepping up to a mile and a half. What I want to see is him getting a decent a decent draw um, you know I want, I want to make sure he 's getting data i don't want to see him trapped on in the inside um, that 's always the way uh, with this but yeah on, on pedigree um, he's he 's going to appreciate this um this step up and trip and the way he shaped on his on his last start, um, that will suit him as well. I just think it's I think it's very good form. him. I think the form that he showed in finishing second and what looked a very competitive affair last time out is as good as anything's um shown in this race. And again, you know, when I looked at the uh, the anti post prices in this race, there aren't that many um who can run. Um and he was um he was twenties and bigger and I thought that was too big, you know, for a horse who's going to keep improving. Uh, obviously, there's going to be lots of horses with a similar profile in the race. And I'm not suggesting he should be a two-to-one favourite, but um, people have yet to latch on to the fact that Sir Mark is, um, um, has his horses well forward and is aiming a fair few at the Royal Meeting this year. He's, this might be his last season, mightn't it, with a licence.
3: That's true. Yeah, yeah I hope it's not. Since,
0: was, it, was it 1970 when he first um, got the licence having been assistant to, to Jack Waugh? Um, and he does have an assistant to, to hand over to. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be, you know, the next couple of years, he's still, you know, he's still remarkably sprightly for a man who's been training for 50 years, and he could go on for a fair while, but you just get the impression in the interviews he's done in the last year or so that he's just preparing himself for, um, uh, for, for taking a more passive role. Um, but I think, you know, if he does do that, he'll go out with a bang. Um and I think he could have a decent season this year and and as I said, bodyline. Everything about him suggests that he's he's going to to keep improving. He's you know, he looked raw last time. Um he was just you know big and clueless last year and still managed to win a race at Epsom. Um and I think that marks him down as um as a guy kind of horse you want to follow this season. He's got three pounds for that race last time but as I said, you know, the races in the first week. Um when racing resumed, just struck me as being really competitive. Everyone was desperately keen to get their good watches out as early as possible. And I think the handicaps uh, in that first week ended up being being pretty strong.
3: 20.0 as we record on Saturday afternoon for Sir Mark Prescott, who could retire potentially. Vanessa Ryle, you're well placed there. Will you retire at the end of the season? Please say no. <laughs>
2: I've absolutely no idea if he's going to retire. I'm definitely not well-placed. and um, But I do have a selection for the King George V stakes. And it's going to win. And it's a little bit unoriginal, but Kipps is going to win. For Huey Morrison and Holly Doyle looks like she's jocked up, which yep. is a very big positive at the moment she is riding full of confidence as always actually it goes kind of without saying for her. but this is a big ride for her on a big stage in many ways and Huey Morrison um, has basically I, I must confess I'm slightly biased because Kipps was a pin hook from here at Colworth Grounds so, Sophie Buckley brought the War Command Colt as a foal and sold it at book one as a yearling. Made a decent profit on it, but Hughie Morrison brought it. So, obviously, we've been following him all last year as a result. Um, made his debut at Wolverhampton and got beat by Celestra and it came out and won um, once the resumption of racing happened this year. So, that form was backed up. He then won at Lingfield. And then he was a beaten favourite at Haydock last time out, and... Um, I think, you know, that will have obviously brought him on fitness-wise, but kind of for him, more importantly, it would be mentally-wise. He looked, if you look back at that Haydock run, that was over the 10 furlongs as well. And he, I mean... He A looked like he wants further, so this will suit, hopefully. Um, but B, when you look at it, he was beat by the Philly Walk on by, who's just way more experienced and way more sh- like streetwise. And Kipps travelled all over the winner. You do not need to be a rocket scientist to see that. And it wasn't that he was I didn't think he was ungenuine in the last furlong and a half. I think he just he's just still very novice he's still green yes he's won and he has got his head in front but he definitely had his tongue lolling out he's flicking his ears a little bit meanwhile walk on by who beat him she had her head down ears pinned back and she just wanted it that little bit more now I think Kips will appreciate the step up in trip I think he'll come on for the run he looked big he looked quite burly I think he'll definitely be, take step four fitness-wise and I think he's still a well-handicapped horse off a of mark in the 80s. I think this could be a really big day for him. Huey Morrison thinks a huge amount of him Thought a huge amount of him last year. He had a derby entry up until very recently which gave us huge hopes and dreams here at Coworth Grounds. That obviously got scratched with the rest of them and that's now, you know, he's proved to be below that level but that just shows you in what high regard they held him in originally and um, I really think this could be a big day for him and I am slightly biased but he uh, under Holly for Huey Morrison could be is my sort of one of my selections of the week really
3: well, Vanessa you had me at he's going to win uh, <laughs> I was I was sold there and then uh, Kipps 9.0 currently on the Betford Exchange Brian your thoughts on the race
1: yeah, while Vanessa was talking there I was just thinking to myself I've been in a few kips in my time yeah. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> haven't we all? Uh, I haven't particularly, particularly late at night Oh come on
3: Vanessa After a day's coursing You've definitely ended up in a few kips
2: No, no <laughs> No thanks Proceed uh,
1: Yeah, I think um, I think Convict could steal this one. Oh come on um, man
3: Oh deary me Cricket. <laughs> well, fair play. A for effort. Yeah. Go
1: on. Yeah, he, um, yeah. He's, he's uh, William Haggis' horse, uh, Convict. Yeah, um, I think he's a half brother to Hamish. who was a. who was a very good horse for uh, for Haggis. I think he was rated one hundred and ten. Um, yeah, look, Convict, he's no seeker from the handicapper. He won a big uh, nursery in Newmarket last autumn. Uh, the rating is rocketed now into the high nineties, but um, he looks like potentially one of these group horses in a handicap, which is what the, the holy grail for these races at Royal Ascot. Um, and it's possible he, he, you know, he can improve again. He's going to have to, obviously. Uh, he's by Australia, like Rory's selection, uh, uh, Bodyline. who was well named actually, out of Australia, because Bodyline was the the famous uh, series in the cricket, wasn't it, in the Ashes in Australia. Uh, so um, yeah I think uh, Convict um
3: sorry mate I'm just not into cricket
1: (laughs) 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 I forgot about the crickets too there you go (laughs) Um, yeah look I think he's pretty high in the or he's pretty short in the betting so there's no secret but uh, I think he could be the one to win this um, but look it's, it's very difficult Bright Melody ran well behind Berlin, Berlin Tango um, through the days and, and is another unexposed one but um, if Convict can reach the level of his, uh, of his half-brother Hamish uh, who, who, who stayed very well I think he, 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 he he would
3: definitely uh, be on the shortest. Well, 11.0 currently on the Better Exchange as we record. So he's a, a bigger price there than he is with most firms who are going joint favorite about him. But 11.0 currently as we record on the Better Exchange for Convict. Uh, the Prince of Wales stakes will be the feature race of day two. And Japan continues to shorten. He is the best price on the Better Exchange 2.06. Uh, He's odds-on with a lot of firms now at this point, and um, you can really only see him getting shorter. Barney Roy, who does have two wins to his name from Maidan this season and did look like a horse who was going to come back with a bit of promise when he surprisingly emerged back on the scene from a failed stud career, is um, second favorite at 5.0. You then got Hedman. Adaeb, who conquered all in Australia, showed them all how it's done. Uh, Magical is still entered as, as we speak, but not going to run. And uh, Fleeting, who just loves to finish second, is also still in there as well. Um, Vanessa, surely this race is all about last year's Royal Ascot winner and Juddmonte International winner Japan.
2: Uh... Yeah, I'd say it is all about this horse. Obviously, a very short price favourite at the moment. And we saw him win the King Edward uh, Stakes, the Group 2 contest over the 12 furlongs last year. And then since then, he went on to really step up his form. He won um, uh, the Grand Prix de Paris, the Group 1 over at Longchamp. And then he went on to win the Judmont International. And that was probably his best piece of form, obviously famously beating Chris Lotion by a head. And he... (sighs) I mean, he then ran a very fine race in the arc, but this is obviously a seasonal reappearance. I think... Um, it was interesting listening to Aidan O'Brien um, on a feature that Sky Sports Racing did recently where he just said that, you know, he wasn't in any way worried about starting this horse off over essentially what is his minimum trip really. I mean, but maybe some would say his preferred trip at this point, but no, no concerns about the trip and know that we he acts there. But, you know, as with all of Aidan's, even at this stage, even in these circumstances, he is going to come on for the run. Um and I suppose that is pretty much the only question mark hanging over him because on ratings and everything else, he has the measure of a lot of these. Barney Roy's two maiden races, um, you know, maiden form, generally not. Um, I don't think that's, those are the strongest Group 1 races in the world. Um, Hebman was a horse of interest for me. Obviously, ran a really good race at Leopardstown in the Irish Champions Stakes. A race that was actually better than the bare form suggests. He finished fifth in the end, but he had a torrid start and fly jumped out of the stall. A complete mess of that. Um, And then as they swung into the straight, he he showed a really decent turn of foot there. And he finished three lengths behind Magical that day. Magical, who I don't think we'll see here, Aiden said that if Japan lines up, Magical won't, which obviously makes perfect sense, um, but she still has an entry at this stage. But that that town form was pretty high class. That was his first attempt, Hedman's first attempt in a group one, having run one, two, really decent French group twos. And he was really shoved in the deep end. It was a proper, proper group one against proper group one horses. And he definitely didn't disgrace himself. I just think Roger Charlton's brought him along very slowly. Obviously, he's had this season curtail like everything else. But for me, he's a horse who could surprise... you know, he's definitely he, he. For me, he's a Group One horse. He's just yet to prove it, but and I think he could finish behind Japan. But if Japan comes here swinging um, on all like firing on all cylinders, I think you know you can see on ratings and the rest that Hedman would have to take quite a serious step forward. I think he will take a step forward, but I don't. I think he'd have to take a huge jump to get near Japan if Japan tips up um, in tip-top form. So. Is it a one horse race like the original question? I can't even remember, but I think <laughs> I think if Japan lines up, it probably is a one-horse race. Yeah, um, if he's anywhere near his best on ratings, Adea is rated the same officially. But obviously, he's got those two Group Two, two Group One wins recently. But essentially, the big thing with him is the ground, and he's not going to get his ground here. He needs it soft, and it's not going to be soft, judging by the weather forecast. And other than that, I mean, it's slightly a race that's kind of falling apart. Once you scroll down, there's a lot of horses with other targets, a lot of horses that aren't going to various conditions or track. I don't know. It's, it's a scheduled Group One, which is of course what we're going to see throughout the week, next week. But. Um, yeah, Japan finds himself short for favourite
3: for all those reasons. Uh, I apologise for the internet connection slightly breaking up. I can only assume that Sophie Buckley's internet is not the best in the world. For all that, uh, I did quite enjoy the Twitter takeover of um, Thoroughbred Tales from Sophie Buckley's yard, but uh, I'm, I'm promised that Vanessa's line will be better from now on. Um, Rory, I'd be desperately disappointed if Japan was beaten here.
2: Yeah, you probably
0: would be, wouldn't you? Um, I'm not sure that it's, it's going to be a race that's going to tempt me to um, uh, to smash the piggy bank. But yeah, I, I don't. I, there's no obvious reason to be against him. There is a chance that he'll, you know, he'd be a little bit rusty after an absence, and he's probably going to be at his peak next time out. And there's a fair bit of the season left ahead of him, so you know if he's going to be vulnerable. It's, it's here, he will be vulnerable, but. There's nothing that's particularly close to him and form that I want to be with. So he, he becomes a default selection.
3: You could make the argument, Brian, that he was beaten on his debut as a juvenile and he was beaten on his return as a three-year-old. But you get the feeling that they just have a better handle on the horse now uh, and, and they know an awful lot more about him. There was a lot of talk about him before the Derby last year, for example. Um, he went off a big price, ran a huge race, but... It's possible that he needs his racing, but I just get the feeling that now that he's an older horse, and with what Aiden was saying on our interview a couple of weeks ago, um, he seems very happy with them. So again, I'd be bitterly disappointed if he was beaten by this lot.
1: Um, yeah, I think that the Dante was his first run last year, but was am I right in saying he had? Yeah. Did he have a bit of a setback or something? In he had, he did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure about his two year old. Most of Aiden's, you know, very often his good horses don't win first time out, too, so they wouldn't pay much attention to that. Um, Anthony, he's the first. I was just thinking, Aiden's had a lot of two year olds run and a lot of sort of, uh, you know, classic contenders, but his real established horses, they haven't really got out. I think Anthony Van Dyke probably is his only other sort of, you know, older horse who has been out so far. He ran really well, so that would be a positive for Japan you know that, that maybe the, his more his older established horses are a bit more forward than they would expect in first time out we,
3: we uh, will see Magic Wand later on this evening but you're right they're, they're the only two to be out so far
1: yeah yeah um, look he's, he's he's a classy horse if he if he's anywhere near his best he'll more than likely win um, I, I did I do agree with Vanessa I, I did quite like headman from his run in in Leperstown which was probably better than his finishing position suggested he he, you know he really came there with with a run and looked like he was going to really get involved but just faded out of it Um, I heard um, I heard Roger Charlton in an interview there the other day where he was saying he was a huge horse I think he said he was 17 hands high headman built like a three mile chaser so maybe um as a four-year-old, there might even be more there for him, you know, and he, he might be capable of, of winning a group one. It's hard to see him beating Japan if Japan turns up in the form, you know, as good as he as he can be. But I think Headman will be there, thereabouts. Um, Barney Roy is a six-year-old now. Uh, he won the St James's Palace back in the day. Have to respect him too. He comes here after a big win in Maidan, so you know, he won't have any problem with fitness. But yeah, I think we'd all like to see Japan win, um, and he really should if he's anywhere near his best.
3: Headman for the forecasts, potentially. Uh, Japan hopefully gets his four year old career off to a winning start. He is definitely one of the more exciting horses in training this season and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do on day two of Royal Ascot. June
0: 14th, 2011. Frankel wins for the first time at Royal Ascot, the seventh of an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere. So start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the 150 at Royal Ascot on day one on the exchange and get a £20 free bet. Win with that and you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Exchange back bets on the win market only. £20 free bet awarded at bet settlement.
1: Valid for 72 hours. TCC supply 18 plus p The
3: 335 is the Royal Hunt Cup. And Rory DeLarghi loves a handicap puzzle. And considering that the vast majority of horses are all tightly condensed at the top of the market, with uh, prices ranging from 13.0 to 21.0, separating 10 different horses, Rory, I will start with you. Solve the puzzle that is the Royal Hunt Cup.
0: Uh, I'm afraid you're barking up the wrong tree again. Oh. Um, but it's a, it's, a, you know, it's a really interesting contest. Um, but again, I, I much prefer to solve these puzzles when you know which pieces are there and you fit them together. Doing a jigsaw when the pieces you have are from three different jigsaws it's less fun, um, and unless you, unless you find one that you think is um, uh, is really well handicapped, um, then I, I usually refer to to wait and see um, uh, how the draw pans out and how the track is riding. Um, I would, I'd like to see Blue Mist get into the race. Okay. It's number thirty nine on the list. Um, but you know he's, he was in action yesterday and whether he's an intended runner is another matter altogether he was runner up at, uh, at Newbury um, I suspect they would have liked to get a penalty to have got him into the race so I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be hitching my start to his wagon um, without, without knowing that A he's, intent, he's an intended runner and, and, and B that he'd be able to get in so um, Petrus at a big price could be interesting and he is a big price, is think What price are you having him there?
3: Uh go on. Well I, I find I'm I'm scrolling down here. And I mean scrolling down. So I'm hoping he's a really big price. Uh, is it possible they've missed him? No. Really
0: not. He's gonna be I'd imagine he's gonna be forty or bigger. He lost he lost the plot a little bit um last season, but he's very, very good in his day. He's down to a winnable. He ran poorly in this race last year, um, it has to be said, but um uh, he's he won twice uh towards the start of the season on his day he's a, he's a very um useful mile handicapper and he's now a, a mark just a pound higher than his last win. So you know he's he's capable. Um you know he, he's he won the, the Lincoln um consolation last year, the Spring Mile at Doncaster on Fast ground. Uh, and then he followed up at Bath and ran pretty well in a very good uh, uh a very good handicap in Newbury nick start and then, and then you know he ran badly here um, and his last two starts were were moderate in fairness. His last one was in the uh, was in the Cambridgeshire so he's, he was always in, in tough company um, he is very capable to say, as I said he's now down to 98 he was a winner of 97 last season um, and uh, he's uh, he's capable of doing a bit of damage off that kind of mark I, again I, I don't want to be backing living at any kind of short price i want to see exactly what the um, what the lineup is where the speed is what what i think the draw price is going to do before i really get stuck in from a race like this but if i'm going to have something at this stage i want it to be a big price well i can so, tell you
3: I, I can i can you've covered enough 41.0
0: yeah, and he should, be, he should be at his best this year. And obviously, his, his poor run in the race last season is, is slightly off-putting, but he doesn't want, I don't think he really wants soft ground. He does have a bit of form with digging the ground, but his best efforts last season came on, on a quicker surface. Um, and if you forgive him, uh, yeah, you don't, it's not terribly difficult to forgive his run in the game, which is a 30-runner handicap, in which you need you need uh, luck on your side. He was His FRSP that day was well over 100. Um, and I don't, find it, I don't find it that difficult to ignore. He was placed off 99 in a competitive race at, uh, at Sandown um, in July last year, and you know he's just he's just on a mark that he can he can win off. Um, you end up with about 20 horses in the race. You could say the same sort of thing about, it. but the vast majority of them will be much shorter prices. Um, and uh, his third to Mojito and Escobar um, at Sandown last year reads pretty well. That was on um, on Eclipse Day. Um, Escoi was a good winner next time out. Mahido, everyone thought, was was a, um, a certainty heading into Goodwood. Uh, so, you know, that was, a, that was a very competitive, mile handicap. And he's probably going to get his conditions. So you could do worse.
3: I'm liking it. Um, Brian Flanagan.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice handy one, really, isn't it? Um.
3: Real simple one for you.
1: <laughs> yeah look I don't really have a strong view on it um, to be honest and one look who has caught my eye and I won't lie to you mainly because of the fact that it's Frankie Dottori back riding for Godolphin which I think is one of the stories that sort of has been missed a little bit over the last uh, three weeks since lockdown started like he's back I think it was his first ride yeah, his first rides for Godolphin in about 10 years Um, but this Lord Tennyson uh, caught my eye he's only had the two runs um, he won easily at Chelmsford in February on his debut actually as a four-year-old not sure why he made his debut as a four-year-old I think he, he may have been had a few issues um, and then he ran in an listed race at Newmarket uh, the other day he was second to Marie's Diamond she's not a bad yardstick uh, 10, I think it's 107 not overly generous but um, frankly wasn't very hard on her that day, I thought, and I'd expect a decent show. Um, and we all know about the Tory at Ascot. I thought Willie John was one with an outside chance for Roger Varian.
2: Oh, Brian! <laughs> Not again. <laughs> I didn't swear this time, but honestly, just. I
1: know. Know. There, must there must be 90 runners there. How did they manage to do that?
3: Oh, wow. Do you know what, Brian? You just reminded me to go to you each time before I go to Vanessa. <laughs> I'm so glad I did that because next. Is this to- a
2: case of great minds think alike, or is this just Ooh. just bad luck?
3: Or will seldom differ. <laughs> well, one, one, certainly wasn't
1: great minds thinking alike a chel- hey, hey, hey,
2: now, Brian, come on now, don't, don't go back <laughs> there. Let's not talk about the war.
3: Exactly. Le- leaves. <laughs> Good God, y'all. What is it good for the crack? Uh, right, so uh, make your make your case before Vanessa comes in and makes her case.
1: Uh, it's not, It's look, it's not much of a case. I think he was second in a listed race at Goodwood last year behind the L- L- Arkham, who's who a, a horse I kind of like, even though he keeps losing. There you go. Um, and I think he was fancy for the Wolferton at this meeting last year, but hated the ground. So, I mean, if you can get back to that Goodwood run, which was a listed race. It's a handicap. As I said before, you're always looking for that thing. So, you know, you'd have an outside chance.
3: Vanessa Ryle, make your case.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, Willie John is definitely a horse that um, I... had a good old look at when going through the various entries here of course it's wide open of course everything is still sort of taken into account that we don't know yet all the unknown factors but Willie John I just don't think he's ever really fulfilled the true potential they thought he was a group one horse at one stage and now he finds himself in this first time in a handicap um, he's off a mark of 104, which I think is pretty nice, based on the fact that if you go back, yeah, he finished second to a Larkham back in May. Um, not only that, he's obviously dropping down to the mile now. He's a free goer, and I think he'll probably be in his element in a strongly run mile race here. Um, he spent most of his life in small fields over ten furlong, ten furlongs plus. Um, so this is something very different for him, and. You know that is something to take into account, but I think he's the sort of horse that is going to be suited to this sort of race, and it could be a bit of a revelation. The drop down and trip, the handicap, the handicap mark. Um, I think 104 is going to be beneath him in the long term if he can start to get the best out of him, and he definitely, yeah, i I'm I'm with Willie John here.
3: So two votes for Willie John uh, currently 17.0 on the Bedford exchange. Um, we know Scat Daddies love Royal Ascot. Beatboxers gelded for the first time, and um, I think it's very, very interesting. We spoke about this off air on Thursday, and we talked about um, certain horses running. And we're we're going to do a, a special, which I think you'll find interesting, with Peter Fornatal and a special guests in in a few weeks' time about different things. But this will definitely come up in conversation as well. Um, Brian was saying that the big story is Frankie de writing for Godolphin, and that is certainly a, a huge story. It seems as though all has been forgiven. But the only reason he's writing for Godolphin is because Lord Tennyson's ownership has been switched, and so too is the ownership of Beatboxer. Princess Haya of Jordan had Beatboxer running at Royal Ascot last year, not this year. Now in the Godolphin blue, and the only man to have written about it is our good friend Chris Cook. So um, I think that's something that should be looked at a little bit more. Uh, it's an uncomfortable conversation for some, but what the hell's going on? Anyway, ten past four, Windsor Castle stakes. Now this really is a let's throw a dart at the board and see what goes. Um, I am very much hoping that... Oh, no, I've got it wrong. Oh, well, Uh, I'll explain all in a second. Sunshine City for Wesley Ward. Hey, man, I'm coming over over to my last... That was terrible. Uh, Sunshine City, 7 to 1. Chief Little Hawk, 9.0. Sheriff Blanco, 9.0. Lipizaner is in here as well at 10.0. Now, Admiral Nelson may very well go for the Coventry after his hugely impressive win on Friday night. Uh, they are talking about that. But Lipizaner was in line to go for that race as well. And um, you'll remember Aidan O'Brien really talking him up on the show. The other thing he mentioned was follow the Air Force Blues. And he mentioned three in particular. One was Chief Littlehawk. Who won on his debut for Belly Doyle, having drifted wildly in the market from quite a short price favourite out to seventy-two, and I thought oh, he's got Norfolk written all over him. Balls! Ryan is jocked up and he's going to run here by the looks of things. Dang it, uh, Rory. We'll start with you. Um, I suggest you get as much money as you can and put it all on Chief Little Hawk.
0: Uh, I I don't know. Yeah, he was. He's an obvious one in the in the race. Um, he was, um, was clued up and showed plenty of speed. And I think Air Force Blues are going to be pretty precocious because mm. he was himself. Uh, and obviously, he didn't he didn't train on nearly as well as expected from, from two to three. Um, but he was very, very good as a juvenile. And um, he's got plenty of juveniles representing him this year. And as you've said a couple of times before, uh, Aidan seems to be speaking very highly of them as, as being uh, particularly forward. We already know what he can do and that he's won he's that... Um, He's won that recent nav and first time out. Aiden's don't always lay the trail first time. They often improve markedly from first to second run. I I just don't know whether he's going to be typical of Aiden's or whether you know those uh, those horses of Aiden's by Air Force Spirit are, are going to be always very forward and, and, and easy to get fit and therefore more likely to win on debut than um, than the Galileos, for example. So. Mm. Um, he clearly is uh, is an interesting one. I must say, as far as I was concerned, before I saw any entries for this race, I said to myself, "Don't get distracted when this comes along, and stick with West Walsh horses because um, <laughs> the the fact that we've not had we've not been able to prepare um, the, the trailers, you haven't been able to prepare the two year olds the way they would have wanted. Really important to get a run into them before you go into to Royal Ascot, and obviously." Very important not to be rushing them forward from one run to another. I don't really want to be back backing Montezuma making the debut a week ago uh, yeah. in a race like this. Uh, and the only problem that Wesley Ward has had is he's had a bit of Gulfstream run his two runs this year rather than running the Keeneland as he normally would. Uh, and one, you know, his first two were beaten at, at very short odds, for example. But he's had he's been able to give Sunshine, Sunshine City um, a, a really good preparation for this. Um, successful on debut a whole seven weeks ago. The fact of this horse has, has had seven weeks between races, plus all you know, all the know-how that he's gained from from uh, being to the track as well. I think it has to be hugely important. And I would have thought, although there was a time when you, you maybe were a little bit wary of back in um, Westport runners, knowing that they were always put in as short as you could. Like, oh, these you know, these two-year-olds look like four-year-olds. They're well ahead of ours. And um, there was a, maybe a time where back in the blind wasn't always the wisest thing. We're probably in a situation this year where, you know, you gotta you gotta follow your nose and say, back the trainer who's had the best run with with his horses, and that's where's ward. Um so that's the way I'm looking at it. I,
3: I completely get where you're coming from, and he is a fair price. Uh, 7.0, seven point oh nine point oh Chief Littlehawk. The only thing I'd say is that he hasn't won this race since twenty fourteen. Now he does have a, a fantastic record in it, but so does Aiden O'Brien. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but that's, that, I'm not making I'm not making a point about his record in this race at all
3: you're talking about the season as I'm, it is I'm
0: talking about this season has mm. uh, you know has um, played out perfectly for Wes Ward as I said he had to move the horses normally he'd be running them at Keeneland um, they weren't able to race at Keeneland um, earlier in the season and so he so had to move the two-year-olds to Gulfstream to run them um, which might not have been ideal for him compared to to, um, to where they would have been but he's been able to give them a proper preparation and I think that puts him ahead of and um, his rivals this year more than has been the case. There's obviously a filly against Colts in this race as well, uh, Sunshine City, but that's not always been a problem for them in the past. Uh, and as I said, it's just, you know, before you, before you knew who was going to be running in these races, um, there was, there was a blindingly obvious clue that most trainers would have to rush their two-year-olds forward, get a run into them and, um, uh, they didn't know when they were going to be able to run them until we knew the race was come back, coming back on the on the 1st of June. And then you have the whole ballot issue coming out as well. And you have Royal Ascot. then, you know, coming on the back of that only a week or two later. It's not an ideal preparation for any juvenile. Um, obviously, there'll be, there'll be um, uh, forward two-year-olds who will thrive on it. But it's got to be a question for a lot of them. i are going to see horses disappointing at this meeting. Uh, on a fairly regular basis and people will say, well, in retrospect, this came a bit too soon, didn't it? Mm. Um, We can make those judgments beforehand, but we know that those excuses are going to be made and you have to factor it into your decision-making process. And therefore, I I, I think this is the year that I'll be... um, uh, a lot more pro Wes Ward
3: than I have been in the past. Okay, so Frankie de gets the ride. She has the sex allowance as well, as Rory was alluding to. Sheriff Bianco is another runner for Wesley with Oshin Murphy on board. Nessa, what's your take on the um, Windsor Castle?
2: I actually spoke to Wesley Ward this week about all of his Royal Ascot runners. It was very Im- informative. Um, oh my holy mother of God. There is literally the biggest spider. On the roof of my bedroom. Oh, god. oh my god! It's called a ceiling. Think... Oh yeah. Oh my god! I don't on think the, I've ever seen one. On the roof of my bedroom. It. Its its body is the same size as. Hang on. I'd say. I'd say. From.
3: As a Wesley the, War two year old.
2: The ridge of your thumb upwards. Whoa! Like your thumbnail. You, it is huge.
3: Do you suffer from arachnophobia? Uh,
2: no, I wouldn't say uh, that's extreme. I think that's an extreme thing, but I won't be sleeping tonight if that spider is in my room. <laughs> it's at the second light, so I'm, I'm at the other end of the room. So I'm just going to sit tight here for a minute and see how this plays out.
3: I can't wait for the F-bombs to start as the spider starts to slowly make its way towards Vanessa. Um, <laughs>
2: Um, I do. I, I did talk to Wesley Ward, though, so I should talk about that. Yeah, so spill sometimes. the beans,
3: spill the tea. What's the story?
2: Okay, so he has a big band of horses over here. They're at the National Stud. He's very pleased with them. He always is, like, you know, he's very like he's very proud of what he brings over to Ascot and so you know he doesn't bring them over unless he doesn't think that they've got a chance so of course when you're talking to him you kind of put the phone down and you think like okay so where's he going to win six races now obviously that is highly unlikely to happen but do you think he has a very strong team here and that is off the back of what Rory was just saying is that he's one of the trainers coming into this race whose season really hasn't been that much different to any other year and as standard with his two year olds he had various races flagged up for a load of them pretty early now um, the, the, you'll be able to catch the interview on Twitter over the coming days I think um, it was a Zoom call I did with him and anyway the long and the short of it was the two horses I took out of it personally just after half an hour of talking to him were Golden Pal for the Norfolk Stakes and then not Sunshine City um, but Sheriff Bianco actually Ooh. for this Windsor Castle um, that was just my reading of it obviously he didn't say a preference but that was my reading of it um, he's very fond of this Sheriff Bianco on debut he was beat in second he had a terrible draw he was explaining to me and it just was an idea that was on the turn and it didn't go well for him and he ran a very good race despite that and he's done some very good breezes since um, and he was yeah pretty keen on him I think he said that Sheen Murphy had been out to ride him Obviously, in the, obviously in the Qatar ownership, and they bought it for a two-year-old race at Royal Ascot. Like it was bought for this. This is its sort of shorter life aim, essentially. So I and yeah, I'm sure he said that Sheen Murphy had been out to ride it or to breeze it, which I was surprised to hear, but obviously a pretty good thing. I think everyone's latched on to the, the Philly Sunshine City because of their old Frankie Tory Wesley Ward. Um, you know, combination and also the fact that she did obviously win on debut. But um, if you look at Sheriff Bianca's run and listen to Wesley World Ward talk of the two of them, I'd be siding with Sheriff Bianca at this stage. Um, there was quite a lot on my list Re Wesley Ward that aren't gonna run like bound for nowhere and a few horses like that, but um, of the team he's got, I think he's got a very strong team and I Sheriff Bianco and Golden Pal. With well, the two I took out
3: of it. Okay, make sure you put those into your At The Racist Tracker. Um, a spanner in the works there for Rory. But can you tell us what he said about Kamari for the Commonwealth Cup? Uh,
2: can I tell you what he said about Kamari for the Commonwealth Cup?
3: This doesn't sound very positive.
2: I don't remember thinking that was very positive. There was a lot that aren't running. Um, and I remember rattling through them and Kamari, what did it? She's in good form. I actually genuinely can't remember what he said about Kamari. We, we were mainly focusing on the two year olds, in fairness. That was what the interview was for. Um, and then we rattled through some of the older horses, and a few of them weren't running. And Kamari, I genuinely couldn't tell you.
3: She was desperately unlucky last year. Peter Fornatel has not got over that, and he'll be on the day five preview of Royal Ascot. So we'll, we'll talk to him about that. Uh, Brian, your thoughts on the Windsor Castle stakes?
1: Um, yeah uh, Mighty Gorka just took my eye there because I thought I thought he was by the Gorka but just like um, (laughs) just like that horse the other night that actually won uh, Galileo Chrome, the Um, Joseph O'Brien horse
3: oh what a Uh,
1: Mighty Gorka is not by the Gorka but um, (laughs) there you go
3: it's Galileo Gold all Uh, over again what a joke (laughs) yeah Uh,
1: look I I won't claim to know anything about the American horses Um, the the five furlings I think will stooch Lippizanner um you know it was, it was, he was beaten at Nace the other day but it was you know it's a stiff six furlongs at Nace and he just didn't seem to get home but he showed some serious early pace that day I have mm-hmm. to say and again uh, to repeat myself Seamus Heffernan certainly didn't knock him about uh, <coughs> once, once he was <coughs> once he was beaten um, to be honest and uh, I think he'll progress on that now I don't know whether he's going to run or, Southern Hills Won this last year as a maiden, haven't haven't had two runs uh, too, so it's a similar profile to him. Mm. Um, obviously, Chief Little Hawk very impressive at Navin. Might have been a weaker race, I thought, than than maybe the the Lipizaner one. Um, he's a lovely big stride, uh, Chief Little Hawk. So uh, you, you know he could be anything really. Um, Merchant's Key was beaten last night. Unlikely to come here, I would've thought. But I mean if, if Admiral Nelson is the second coming, uh well then his run wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, only beaten the length and was the more fancy to the two before the race, so he would have to be respected to be lined up. But uh, I'll take but the pe- what, what they say about the the, the American horses. I mean but out of the three O'Brien ones that are uh more more fancy. Lipizzaner is the one I'd be most keen on.
3: That that's interesting that you're saying that. Um, and and I'm fascinated to see where he goes because I didn't know if it was a case of that. They seem to think an awful lot of Jessica's horse, and I couldn't make out if it was that he just needed the run on the back of his debut um that, that they'd eased him up and that they were getting him ready for royal ascot and that's why he was beaten or if it was a case of that it just that's stiff because you're right naces is, is a very stiff finished track and then maybe that was the issue but chief little hawk just screamed five along royal ascot winner to me uh, that when i saw him win that race i could just envisage him at royal ascot out in the grand open just dominating and the, I think the point that Aiden was making is that he's been surprised, at the, there's three in particular, this is one of these Air Force Blues, that not only are they so forward, they're so fast. Um, which goes to what Rory was saying to and and alluding to the fact that they're probably going to be very precocious just like their dad was Um, I wouldn't be expecting these horses to be classic material for example but he he just he looks very very exciting and, and in my mind looks ideal for Royal Ascot and I'm gutted they're not going to go for the Norfolk, but hey, Kew Gardens is gone, so my lucky 63s have already fallen apart. But if he does line up here, if this is the race that that he goes for and Ryan Moore is jocked up, then I'd be with him. I, I, I'd think, particularly when Wesley Ward is siding with the second horse of his two, um, I'll happily go with Chief Little Hawk. Uh, so that's the 410 at Ascot. We'll go back, back in time, to the 115 opening race you can only see it on sky sports racing it's the silver royal hunt cup essentially the consolation cup for the royal hunt cup um and as i said one fifteen, this race is off at uh rory delarkey is the king of the handicaps so rory you can take it away
0: you can't uh, you cannot possibly have an post view on a consolation hunt cup
2: um I'm so glad you said that, Rory, because honestly, when he put this in the running order, I thought, I'll go fuck myself. I'm not it. <laughs> there I it is! Finally! Oh. Silver Royal Hunt Cup Handicap, in brackets, a consolation race for the Royal Hunt Cup, Class 2. No, I'm not having it in a of seven days.
3: And you can see this race live yeah. and exclusive on Sky Sports Racing. <laughs> Well done, Vanessa. I'm
2: just glad Rory said, because if I'd said that, everyone would be like, oh, you didn't do your homework, don't know what you're talking about. When Rory says, fair play. And it's true.
3: Brian, would you like to weigh in with them, or do you have something on your shortlist?
2: Uh, No.
1: And that means- Uh, I was was really hoping hoping that that this would happen. Excellent. Uh, Because I hadn't
3: That I'd be be told (laughs) to fuck (laughs) off instead of you. Well, well, it's happened. (laughs) it's, It's happened. (laughs) oh epic absolutely epic uh this brings us into the final race of the day the mile and six furlong copper horse handicap 440 uh currently on the betfair exchange fujiara prince is your favorite at 8.0 collide 9.0 durston at 11.0 vanessa who do you have down for this race
2: Uh, I mean, not a strong view at all, but I was interested to see um, Hugo Palmer's Caravan of Hope, who... I mean, this is like very tentative, but I just scrolled through, just caught my eye. He's very progressive last season, and he finished with two wins, and one of them was here at Ascot over the 12 furlongs. But that was in a novice stakes, to be fair. He then sort of stepped back up in into handicap company, and he followed uh, that win up with a start of 14 furlongs at Doncaster. Um, and then anyway he got beat on a seasonal reappearance back over the 14 at Wolverhampton this week just gone um, now it was reported that he was he was the beaten favorite the first two pulled well clear of the third and he did it was reported I think by the vets that he'd lost a shoe uh, within I think in the home straight basically uh, I mean, that's a sort of mild excuse for getting beaten. He probably uh, could have and should have gone on and won, but I'm hoping that he's going to come on for the run. And if it, it did turn around quite quickly and shove him in here. He'd be of interest to me just because I liked him last season, so I've sort of always had a bit of a marker on him. Um, it would be a quick turnaround, but and the ground would be a bit of an issue because his performances last year have been on soft ground, and he's not going to get that. Um but he will get his trip and his track and he is a progressive type. And if you're happy to forgive him is sort of prep run. I think it might be able to be called it last time out. We saw him at Wolves with that shoe excuse I don't know I just he's one that I've I've always like I said I've had him a tracker for a while so probably a little bit biased about but he was of interest to me here at, I think what well, I haven't even got the price up in front of me but I think it was he's a fairly big price isn't he
3: He's
2: 17.0 I not it's not actually as big as I thought <laughs> um but anyway that was just yeah he that was just one of my sort of random thoughts when scrolling through his race but no strong view kids I've outdone myself with Willie John and Hedman and all my Wesley Ward knowledge and my Japan tip. Honestly, I've gone above and beyond it. Yeah, the,
3: your, your even money tip for Japan and your complete lack of knowledge about Kamari. <laughs> Absolutely outstanding, Vanessa, outstanding. Love you and delighted that you're back on the show. Um, Brian Flanagan.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to take one here and probably make up my nat. Um <laughs> Uh, to be honest, uh, Durston, come on, uh, for David, for David Simcock. Um, oh, back David Simcock
0: horses. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just a wee
1: joke. Um, I thought you were gonna was, say, I like, was wondering, was that horse, gonna come
2: in? Something yeah. you
1: know, like, interesting, something. this horse was gelded over the winter. Um, so, uh, he, he, um, He was second at Glorious Goodwood last year to a horse called Sir Ron Priestley, who went on to be second in the Ledger, I'm nearly sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he ran in the, Durston ran in the Jeffrey Freer. Traveled like a dream. Traveled like a dream. He looked like he was going to win by 10 lengths, but he just fell into a hole in the last 200 yards. I'm I'm hoping it was the soft ground that that caught him out. Um, The big fields, lots of cover. Should definitely suit him. He's also in a race on Friday. See the Duke of Edinburgh over a mile and a half. But you would have thought a mile and six uh, would be the race for him. Um, and he, I think, he, he must have a good chance. I mean, that Sir Ron Priestley form is, is pretty good. Considering this is a Gap and Sir Ron Priestley was was uh, was second in 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 the Saint Ledger. Um, it's pretty strong for him, I thought
3: absolutely I'm liking that and I'm liking the confidence as well that you're making it your nap of the day uh, Rory Delargy.
0: yeah I, I liked Durston last season I, I, I tipped him up both when he was second at Goodwood and then when he uh, ran in the, in the Jeffrey Freer um, and I, I thought he was um, I thought he was a decent little tool last year uh, my only side concern with him is how much he will progress from three to four he's not the biggest if memory serves me um, but he does have plenty of ability uh, and I, I fancied a, a, a David Simcock horse on the uh, on the opening day and it was suggested that um, the yard might might be a little bit quiet uh, which I was um, I, I wasn't terribly worried about that in saying that I've napped a Simcock horse today that's finished on place that should have um, uh, that clearly needed to run so I'm slightly concerned about it now
3: don't worry um
0: there you go but hopefully you know give him a few days and I'll be absolutely fine uh, I like one at a big price here oh um, again I'd, um, I'd I'd be happy to wait for declarations just to make sure that everything's in line um, but Indianapolis mm-hmm. of James Gibbon a horse I liked last season
3: oh you did you um, like winner, the source a lot
0: here yeah um, I think I, I put him up at a big price when he was placed in the um the old Newton Cup. Mm. Um, and then he won the on the Shergar Cup. Um, on the uh Shergar Cup. Shergar Cup Challenge. For the mile and a half oh, advance. Um, sorry?
2: That famous race, Rory. The Shergar yes, Cup. Yeah. The, the
0: Shergar <laughs> Cup Challenge.
2: I knew, know, the, I knew
0: it wasn't the it wasn't the know, classic that's because, that's you know, he's a four year old. he had run one vaguely disappointing race last season but he got struck into. Um, at York um, and then bounced back to win to win at Leicester only only a four runner race that he won at Leicester but the forms worked out well Um, and he was he looks um, very much up for a scrap there and also looked like he wanted to step up and trip very strong at the finish up the hill at Leicester he was only sixth at Newmarket last Saturday but I think the idea there was um, that he, he he was a bit fresh and he needed a run to get him straight for this so he was a little too keen for his own good he was unfancied in the market went off at that first year 28 and wasn't disgraced in finishing 6th of 8 look that form isn't good enough to win this obviously but hopefully it does its job in putting an edge on him um, so that he is absolutely straight for this again you know 11 days is, is a short enough turnaround for a, for a big race at Royal Ascot but you know better than, better than a week um, and I don't think he, he wasn't given a, a particularly hard time that day either. So step up to um, to a man and six um, should suit him based on how he was shaping last season. At least the kind of horse who always ran well last year, but was always a big price in all his races. Mm. Um, so I'd be hopeful that again, come declarations, he's going to be put in as as, um, as one of the outsiders. Paul Mulrennan who, who rode him in most of his races last year, obviously not at the Shergar Cup. Um, he's, um, he's booked to ride him again. So it looks like the intention is to give him a spin um, and at a big price, I can have him on side. Well, he's
3: currently trading at 26.0 on the Betfair exchange, but I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if he's bigger on the day. Uh, unless, of course, the DeLarge effect comes into motion and he's 10 to 1, which could very well happen, Rory. Um, so that is the 440. Uh, as we come to the naps, we already know that the nap of the day for Brian Flanagan is Durston. So, Vanessa Ryle, your best bet of day two, of Royal Ascot, twenty twenty.
2: Um, can I give a few? Because I have, I really, I really do genuinely fancy Kips. Go for and it. I really fancy Sheriff Bianco as well so I go those two also just in that sorry one last final thing sorry in the Windsor Castle just honourable mention to the big price as time goes by for George Bowie who um, finished third in a new market maiden very recently beaten by two Godolphin horses showed loads of speed that was over six furlongs and only just got sore out at the end by like I say a horse that cost sort of 3.6 million and another Godolphin very nicely bred individual Um, that he just show blistering speed and I don't know if Wesley Ward's horses are highly likely to be a lot faster than any of ours but um, honourable mention definitely for as time goes by for George Bowie but no Kips and Sheriff Bianco for me please on day two
3: okay Roy DeLargie Uh,
0: just to say I'm I'm happy to switch to Sheriff Bianco in the uh, in the Windsor Castle uh, wait 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 wait! What the hell's <laughs> going on here?
2: What, what, the, was, what was
0: my my argument was purely Wesley Ward. Yeah, with Wesley Ward.
2: Yeah, yeah. I actually you know I, now that. Know that.
0: Um, uh, Vanessa tells us which one's the fancy one. No, that one, thanks.
3: You better be right, Vanessa. You had better be. There is so much pressure riding on your shoulders right now. Oh, there's so much pressure. If Frankie de Tory bolts up, everyone's coming free online.
2: I wish I hadn't been so drunk doing the Wesley Ward interview. because so like, You were drunk
3: interview. on Zoom
2: for an no, interview. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. That is definitely my stand by everything I said about Sheriff Bianca.
3: Just the five genetics. That's all. You're doing uh, a switch switchy.
0: Yeah, I'm happy. I'm, yeah, because uh, essentially the, the the generic point I was, I was saying is I'd merely both of them. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, if the price is alive or possibly at this stage given that... Um, um, uh, Sheriff Bianco is the bigger price of, of the pair back that one now and if they flip-flop then you can you can back that a little on the drift.
3: Well, we've often seen uh, the two uh, horses for, for, for yeah we, we've often seen the two horses for Wesley flip in the market so it wouldn't be a surprise if this is the one he's talking up to take advantage of what yeah. Vanessa has told you. And,
0: you, wouldn't, uh, you you wouldn't judge either on, on bare form strictly speaking on the form that they've shown there, are, there have been other Ward horses that have come here with with stronger claims. But it's all about how much they've improved um, mm. since the debut and yeah, the, the point that, um, that Vanessa made about um, about his first start, he had to make a, a big move wide after, after starting awkwardly from a wide draw and clearly had to do more than, than, um, than needed, whereas you expect Wes Ward's um, juveniles to bounce out of the stalls, get to the front before the home turn and then just you know, turn on the speed, um, whereas he had to do it um, differently. Um, and uh, didn't look you know didn't look an absolute rocket machine in doing so but um, the healer benefited an awful lot from that run so um, the, uh, the general point still stands. In terms of my best bet of the of the day, I will stick with I'd like the draw to be in my favor obviously but I'll stick with that body line. and even if you hear cricket, if you ever get a chance to see the uh, documentary on the Bodyline series called Bodyline, actually it's not a documentary, it's, it's a dramatization. Very, very good. I watched that about, I don't know, about 15 years ago when it was on. Uh, maybe more than that. Maybe more. And it was excellent. I never watched any cricket in my life before that. Um, and it was a genuinely fascinating documentary, fascinating program. Obviously, it was documenting the Bodyline series well I was reading up about it.
3: Body line, okay. Um, I think Japan is an obvious one, but uh, Chief Little Hawk is my nap. If he goes, Chief Little Hawk.
0: Chief Shiteball. Sorry, that's uh, that's huge. That's uh, that's not the horse.
3: Chief Little Hawk wins.
0: My my my, um,
3: egg all over your face.
0: My brother's father-in-law was a member of a golf society called the Golf Shites. Great phrase. And the, the the admin for the golf society was a nun, and her title was Chief Shit Hawk. <laughs> so that always think of that. Yes.
3: Oh my goodness! Like we we've used that phrase a lot in Kilkenny, and to be fair, in Cork as well. Oh look, here's Chief Shitehawk. Hawk. Um, but I, I haven't used it in a very, very long time. So yeah. It's a wonderful expression. It's fantastic. Gobscheid's a brilliant expression. See, you know, if,
0: I, if I was naming one, I'd call it Chief Whitehawk or something like that. I'm bound to get through, but you know what you mean.
3: Trying to catch out Mark Johnson and, and Ian Bartlett in, 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 a, in a thrilling finish. And here comes Chief Whitehawk. Uh, yeah, with the hope that it, that would happen. Um, I really like Chief Little Hawk, and uh, let's let's go with him for the Windsor Castle stakes. Uh, thank you so much, team. Brilliant to have you all back on board. Uh, what are you currently binge watching, Brian Flanagan?
1: That's boot. Oh,
3: yeah, now I've seen a lot of promos for this. I didn't see season one. I just know that Lizzie Kaplan is in it, and uh, she's really good. American actress. She's excellent. She's in a, an Apple Plus TV show as well called Truth Be Told. Um, it looks good though.
1: It's brilliant. I love, um, I to do with World War Two, but the, the, uh, it's unusual because it's 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 the Nazi. It's given the Ger- like, it's the Germans effectively, you know. So mm. you get to see um, there's some good Germans in it too, though, and some bad ones. Is it based on? And, uh, is it based directly on the film? Uh, no, 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 no. It's not no. Okay, no, but it's very, very, very good. It's a bit confusing though because uh, anyone who watches Mad Men, um, Pete Campbell is in it.
2: And, oh, um, I love him. I def- uh, better.
1: Better Call Saul. I don't know whether you remember the German guy that came to, to uh, make the to build the underground Yes. Uh, he Is he in do, it? So, yeah.
3: He was excellent. Yeah. He was really good in Better Call Saul. That's a fantastic show Better Call Saul. We don't talk about that enough. Vanessa Ryle what are you binge watching?
2: Uh, I have just binge watched uh, Little Fires Everywhere Reese Witherspoon on uh, Amazon Prime, very good. One series of it, um, just very, very good. Very interesting, loads of different threads and adaptation of the book. And yeah, highly recommended. Everyone seems to be watching it.
3: Yes, I've heard a lot about it. Uh, it's on my list and I might very well start it tonight. So thank you for that recommendation, Vanessa. Uh, that's a Little Fires Everywhere on Amazon Prime.
0: Rory? Uh, I've been watching Community. Oh, I
3: love Community! Paintball!
0: Don't spoil it for me. Pop, pop!
3: It's so good. I, I, I love the fact that they break the fourth wall. How far, are you in season one? Yes. Okay,
0: H- how far in are you? Oh, I don't know, I've seen about a dozen episodes. Yeah, you,
3: you've got so much amazing comedy in front of you. It's the best comedy of the last 15 years, definitely. Community's brilliant and streaming on Netflix. Um, I will recommend a show that is compelling and I think is a must see. And I'd be surprised if the cast don't get awards for it. Uh, Chris Evans, Michelle Doherty from Downton Abbey, and uh, J.K. Simmons. In, uh, and Cherry Jones, who used to be in 24. Defending Jacob on Apple TV Plus. It is absolutely superb. Chris Evans who was Captain America in the in the Marvel films. He was in well, Knives was Out. Of,
1: Some, yeah, I someone a, a called TFA. Michelle Dougherty. Whoever the hell
2: <laughs> that is. Chris Evans, the radio DJ. Exactly oh, I forgot.
3: Said. Could you imagine him?
2: You, should I tell a, you a story about him? Oh, please I, I, do.
3: I know this is going to be bad. Have he given you a dog? <laughs> no.
2: <he hasn't laughs> was there a £1,000
3: oh. involved?
2: Or anything else, but I was once in a bar slash restaurant in Portugal, and he was in there with his then-girlfriend, or maybe wife, Billy Piper, and they were at a table at the other end, like quite near us, though, and he took off her shoe and licked her toe at the table. Uh-oh. In a sort of like, pornographic way. But bear in mind, it was like Globo um, in the middle of summer in the 90s, or maybe millennium, but anyway, I was very dumb. And imagine the sweat and the sand and the grossness. And I just remember looking over at my parents being like, don't look over there now. And it was Chris Chris Evans licking Billy Piper's toe. Jesus
3: Christ.
2: There you go. I've got to go anyway. I'm leaving you on that note.
3: Oh, thanks for that bombshell, Vanessa. I can't get that image out of my head now. Oh, my God. If you learned anything from this podcast today, it's that Chris Evans likes to... (laughs) lick people's feet on really hot days <laughs> not the actor the dj um it's captain america he's in knives out as well and he's sublime he's brilliant uh michelle is it michelle dockery is that it rory
0: yes that's correct oh
3: sorry no, sorry apologies she's fantastic she's absolutely brilliant in this and um as is jk simmons so defending jacob apple tv plus i highly highly Recommended. Uh, we are back with day three, day four, and day five. Royal we'll Ascot previews. Hopefully, we have found you some winners, and we look forward to talking to you again. Uh, Brian Flanagan, thanks so much for your time.
1: Thanks, guys. Cheers. Best of luck,
3: uh, Vanessa Ryle. We'll chat to you soon.
2: Bye, everyone. Brian, no hard feelings over the Cheltenham thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It was probably the highlight of Cheltenham for me, uh, Vanessa. <laughs>
3: We're I'll gonna get you good money for that. We're gonna <laughs> get you the ringtone. The phone line. Yeah, we're gonna get you the ringtone of Vanessa Ryle saying, "Oh, fuck off, Brian." And we're Mrs. also gonna. Ryle
0: gives you abuse.
3: And we're also gonna get you a T-shirt saying, "I went on the final front End podcast, and all I got was told to be fucked off by Vanessa Ryle." Uh, and uh, Roy Tulargi, we'll talk to you tomorrow, my friend.
0: I look forward to
3: it. I uh, hope you're well. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, shares on social media would be very much appreciated. Uh, we're back with three more Royal Ascot previews. We hope you enjoy them. Stay safe, stay well, and look forward to an incredible week's racing. We'll chat
0: to you soon. God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange, proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast.
2: Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, Expert daily tips plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.